following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Wrap up uh, 2009 and enter and welcome in a new year. Uh, I don't know about you, but this season for me always forces me to kind of evaluate, you know, how effective I've been in the past year, what I got done, what I didn't get done, what goals I made and didn't make. And uh, you know, you, you you walk into a new year, it's a blank slate, and you kind of, at least for me, I realize uh, 365 more days, you know, one more lap around around the mountain of time. Uh, realizing that, you know, as you get older, you realize you have fewer fewer laps left, right? And so you start thinking, how can I be effective? And uh, a verse from Ephesians 5 really jumped out and, and kind of haunted me this week. Uh, and it's the verse, redeem the time, for the days are evil. And I really couldn't escape that verse. I thought, well, I, uh, I would make that the theme for this morning. Uh, redeeming the time. And, um, you know, my, are we making the most of our time? Are we redeeming the time because the days are evil? Um, as, we, as we begin a new year, those words have great, can have, should have great meaning and significance for us. Um, and so I titled the message this morning, Buying Time. Uh, the word redeem really has the idea of buying something back. And, of course, we all wish we could buy time, right? I wish and that would solve so many problems in this next year. If I could actually buy an extra day a week or an extra hour a day, you know, just think of what we could get done. And, uh, you know, when we think about redeeming the time, it's, it's kind of like that would be great if we could actually just buy time. But I think if, if somebody could figure out a way to sell time, they'd be rich. You, you could make a lot of money selling time because I know there would be lots of good customers, right? I would be one. Uh, but is that really what it means, buying back the time, redeeming the time? Is that what Paul has in mind? Um, what does he mean by uh, make the most? Some translations say make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. What does he mean by that? Well, I thought I knew what it meant. And this turned out, this happens to me often, actually. I think, oh, I know what I would preach about that. And I get this idea in my head about what this message, this sermon is going to look like. And uh, I had done that for this passage. And I had this idea that it was going to be kind of going one way about managing our time better, being more diligent about stewarding our time. But as I studied and prayed and really uh, dug into this passage, uh, it took a very different turn, almost 180 degrees from my original purpose. So I trust that was God speaking. And I want to show you what I learned. And I really think Paul, when he talks about this idea of redeeming the time, he, he does have this idea of buying time, but not as you and I would probably think, or at least not as I originally thought. I thought God and Paul were going to give me great wisdom and insight how to squeeze more minutes into my day so I could be more productive for God. So I could get more done, so I could accomplish more tasks for Him. But uh, that really is not what Paul is speaking of here. Not that that's not important, not a good drill to do at the beginning of a year. But he really has something much more 
deep and much more significant in mind by this phrase. So let's look at it. And as we do, let's start by reading, uh, starting in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5. And this actually is one, one sentence or one idea, one thought. Uh, so I'm going to read through verses 15 through 21 because it all goes together. Um, he says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray as we turn to God's word. Father, we do thank you so much that you have given us time. Uh, You've given each and measured out to each of us a certain number of days for our life. And we can be confident that, uh, that you will bring us to the end of our days. And Lord, we trust and pray that you would accomplish your purpose in that brief time you've given us in our life. And Lord, we just want to be, uh, as we enter into a new year, a new season, uh, before us lays another chunk of time, Lord, we want to be careful to be using our time wisely, to be using it according to your design and purpose, and ultimately for your glory. So even now, as we set aside these next few minutes, we pray that it would be to your glory. We pray that you would speak to us by your Spirit and teach us. Lord, we just give this time now to you and pray your glory in it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We're not actually going to look at all of those verses, but they are one sentence and one thought that goes together. And in that, uh, Paul has three sets of pairs. He says, don't be unwise, but be wise. He says, don't be uh, senseless, but understand or perceive what God's will is. And he says, don't be intoxicated or under the influence of alcohol, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get to all that this morning. Um, But in the middle of this, he talks about using time wisely. And it's a pivotal verse uh, in these couplets of being wise and unwise, of understanding God's will versus being senseless. Uh, to really understand this, though, we've got to understand some, some basic Greek. So to start off with, first Sunday of the year, you're going to get a lesson in Greek. Yay. Love that Greek. Uh, what, did, what did Paul mean when he said, make good use of the time, redeem the time? Well, Greek had two unique and separate concepts of time, and they had two separate words to define it. Okay, the first word is the word chronos. And, uh, you know, a lot of, in fact, I think my, my watch actually calls itself a chronograph from the Greek word chronos. And it just simply means something that measures off seconds and minutes. And the Greek word chronos really has the idea of the unstoppable flow or stream of time. And time is the measure of our days, right? Um, so many seconds, you know, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 365 days in a year. If you're really good at math, you can actually figure out like how many seconds there are in a year. I'm not that smart, so I didn't do that. But that's chronos, okay? Uh, there's nothing you can do about chronos. It just goes, right? And uh, you can't stop it, you can't speed it up, you can't slow it down. 
you know, uh, our perception of it may change, our experience of it may change, but you can't do anything with it. Okay, 2010 is here. No matter how much you want to go back and do 2009, it's, it's gone, right? Those minutes have passed by. And uh, no matter how much you want Jesus to come back and you pray that his return is soon, there's X number of seconds that's going to happen before that. And there's nothing you can do about it. It is out of our control. And the Greeks had this kind of fatalistic idea that time was, in some ways, uh, beyond our influence. Right? There's nothing we can do about that aspect of time. Right? It is what it is, and it marches on, and there's not much we can do to influence or change it. Uh, that's one concept of time. But then another concept and another word, and it's the word kairos. You say chronos and kairos. And kairos really looked to not just time as it ticked by, but it looked at the moments of time. And the Greeks understood that within this ongoing minutes and seconds and days, that in that there were moments of time that were significant. And they identified these as critical or pivotal times in our life of decision or opportunity. And uh, you've all heard the phrase, seize the moment, right? And it supposedly comes from some Latin phrase, totus something. I don't know. I don't know the Latin phrase. But actually, it didn't really come from the Latin. Originally, it was a Greek idea. And the Greeks were, were big into this idea of seize the moment. And it's this word kairos, that moments come into our lives, key strategic critical times come into our life when we have opportunities to make decisions, uh, to turn the course of our life. And the Greeks really felt that these these times come and go, these moments come and go, and they're, they're critical to shape our destiny, right? And uh, it's, it's significant that Paul uses this word. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, if you kind of fold together Greek and Old Testament ideas, the Old Testament had a similar idea of, chron- of kairos, of these moments, but for, the, for, for Old Testament saints, what made it significant was that these weren't just opportunities or moments that were pivotal in our life, but they were, most importantly, moments when God showed up, right? They were God moments. And so Paul probably has both of these ideas in his mind when he talks about redeeming the time. He's thinking about key moments in life, uh, these, these significant, important, critical times in our life, seasons, moments that God unfolds before us. Um, so while on the one hand we can have no impact on Kronos. We, have, we can't do anything about that. We have everything to do with Kairos. We have everything to do with these strategic moments in our life. And uh, these are the opportunities that Paul is talking about. And, it, and so he says we need to redeem the time. We need to reclaim these moments, these strategic moments in life for God's purpose. Um, now, now, this is where my this is where my sermon all of a sudden just fell apart, you know, because I had this great sermon prepared all about managing time, right, being good stewards of time. Uh, but Paul is not really talking so much here about minutes and seconds and schedules, as he's talking about critical opportunities in life. Um, Jesus modeled this principle very well. Jesus was very aware of his impact in the world through moments, right? And uh, where, where I tend to be very scheduled, and in our society, especially Western culture, tends to be very schedule-driven, right? 
We start things at a certain time. We stop things at a certain time. If it doesn't get within a certain time, tough cookies, right? We move on to the next scheduled event. Uh, but Jesus was much more tuned into moments. And one great illustration of this comes from Mark chapter 5. Uh, a synagogue ruler came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, my, my, my daughter is dying. Will you come pray for her? And so Jesus agrees. And he, along with this huge crowd of people, are marching to the synagogue ruler's house. Remember this story? Just bustling people. This massive crowd jostling Jesus back and forth. And in the crowd is a woman who has had an issue of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years. And she sneaks up through the crowd, and she does what? Touches the hem of Jesus' robe. And instantly in that moment, Jesus knows that healing power has gone out, right? Now, Jesus could have just kept pressing on, right? Got a schedule to keep. Got a dying girl here we got to take care of. We got expectations. We got appointments. We got this crowd pushing me forward, Jesus could have let that moment pass by and said, ah, she got healed, it's all good, right? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is tuned into moments. And he realizes that something significant is taking place in this moment, and he stops and turns around and he says, who touched me? That wasn't like, you know, the first time I, in fact, for a long time I read this, I thought Jesus was like angry or something, you know, who touched me, right? How dare you? Right? But, but that wasn't the point. Jesus was looking for an opportunity to further minister to this lady. He knew that she had been healed. He knew that she had experienced his power. And he wanted to affirm something in her life. So he stops, turns around, stops the crowd, stops everything. Because he's going to have a moment of ministry with this lady. And she comes forward in fear and trembling. And she says, I did it. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And Jesus takes a moment to more significantly minister to this woman that nobody has cared about. Because of her problem, for 12 years she had been ceremonially unclean. And Jesus speaks incredible healing and cleansing and peace into this lady's life. And then he turns around, the crowd crushes back in on him. The moment's gone, Jesus is swept away. But I just love that picture. For one brief second, the window opens And Jesus takes a moment with this lady. Jesus was about moments. Um, If you think back through your life, you know, we all uh, have so many minutes we could account for from our beginning to now. But probably the things that mark us are not how many minutes and seconds and days, but the significant moments of our life. Can you think back through your life at the, the significant moments when God showed up and he touched you when he stopped in the crowd of activity and he turned to you and he spoke into your life. I remember for me, one of those, probably the critical moment of my life uh, was when I was 14 years old, uh, living as, as wicked as a 14-year-old can. <laughs> I'm sure I could have been worse, but given my circumstances, it was as wicked as could be, which wasn't all that wicked, but it was wicked enough, okay? Uh, living away from God. Not at all interested in God. I had gone to church as a younger child, but at this point in my life, I was bitter, angry. My parents had got divorced, and I was mad at them. I was mad at God. Uh, I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I didn't want to waste my time on church. And I remember one day, it was a Saturday, and I was out in this, we lived in this kind of apartment condo complex, and I was out, just bored, looking for something to do. And this really odd-looking guy shows up, 
looked, well, pretty much he looked like a Mormon, uh, but he was actually a Christian, but very fundamentalist, okay? And he had a bus ministry, okay? Now, this wasn't even in the South, okay? This was actually in Denver. He had a bus ministry. He had a bus. And he said, how would you like to go to church with me tomorrow on my bus? <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Actually, uh, it was a moment, right? It was a moment when this guy was trying to do visitation ministry. That's what they did. They did visitation ministry. This is a, for some of you that are younger, you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is like ancient history, but uh, back then people did this. They, they visited and they had buses. And uh, he, he said, tomorrow morning a bus is going to come and you can get on that bus and you can ride to church and go to church. I thought, wow, that's like, wow. And um, it was a moment. And I don't know what possessed me, but in that moment of decision, when I could have said, you've you got to be kidding me, I said, okay, I'll go. And uh, that, turned, that, that moment turned to be a huge pivotal point in my life because I went to that church. I started riding that silly bus every Sunday. And I came into the teaching of the Word and uh, several months later, I came to another moment when God spoke to me and said, Will you give your whole life to me? Through the preaching of the word, I came to a place where I knew that was the question God was asking of me. Will you give me your whole life? I don't want just a little of it. I want, I want your whole life. It was a moment of decision. Now, I don't know how many... You know, I'm not going to say that God only gives us one shot. I'm not going to say that if I hadn't said yes to that bus... Uh, another bus may not have come along or some, I don't know. But, but moments are not like minutes and seconds. Minutes tick by, and if I, if I waste this minute, it's okay, because chances are I get one more minute. Moments aren't like that. We may get more than one moment, but we don't get infinite number of moments. Okay, there aren't, there, and, and the whole concept of this Greek idea of moments is that they are rare. There are times when both within us and within our circumstances, within, within the move of God, it's a time when things line up, and it's at those critical times we can either seize the moment or not. Actually, for the Greeks, they, they realize you could seize the moment, but what you grab may not be the right thing. Okay, they had this idea you can grab the wrong thing as well as you can grab the right thing. And they were critical times. If you grab the wrong thing, it could take you farther from God or farther from, as the Greeks would say, your destiny. And probably the same is true in our life. And as we look back over our life, we see these times of decision, these moments when God does significant things in our life. And, you know, we can second-guess what-ifs. But the reality is we're here today because we, we chose rightly in those times, didn't we? God in His grace moved us in those moments to where we are today. Um, well, Paul here is speaking of redeeming these moments. Uh, purchasing them back for God, bringing them under God's rule. And he's really talking here about the difference between scheduling time and seizing these opportunities. Uh, now, there is a place, like I said, I wanted to preach about being more organized because I feel like this is something I need. And I wanted to talk all about how I can squeeze seven and a half workdays into a week instead of six and a half, right? Or I can get one more hour of productivity. Um, because there is in our culture, in our society, and oftentimes in our thinking, 
This idea that we need to pray more, we need to read the Bible more, we need to go to church more, we need to serve more, we need to help people more, we need to spend more time with our kids, we need to spend more time with our wife, that we need to spend more time improving ourselves and getting smarter, uh, because we're so driven. That's kind of our culture. That Christianity gets very performance-driven. And so, you know, if we're going to have a successful 2010... We've got to figure out how to do more with the same 365 days because we didn't do enough last year. We've got to do more, right? And so if we can schedule more, if we can be more organized, if we can squeeze out the fluff, we could be more productive. Well, and there may be a good sermon in that. I'm not going to preach it this morning. And certainly, if you're a really chaotic, disorganized person, it might be a good thing to get a bit more organized. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to discourage you from that. But I think, I think this is also true. We can get so busy scheduling, so busy worrying about managing chronos, managing the minutes and days of time and scheduling it, that we completely miss out on the kairos, the opportunities, the moments of life. And I think for a lot of us, we get so caught up in our schedules that we schedule the moments right out of our life, right? We get so caught up in being busy and doing that we completely miss the moments that God drops into our lap. Moments both in our own life as well as moments, critical moments around us as God's trying to work in other people's lives. And He's directing us to them as He did Jesus. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive to think about this, that Jesus, as far as we know, kept no schedule. You know, He did not have an iTouch, Palm Pilot, other mobile device. Uh, he did not have a daytime or day planner, you know, a written schedule. Uh, for all we know, He didn't even know how to read a calendar. All right? Now, He is the Ancient of Days, so in some sense He knew what a calendar was. Uh, but there's no sense that Jesus had any kind of organized, planned schedule. All he says for three years is, my hour has not yet come yet. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Then all of a sudden one day, my hour has come. And that was it, right? And yet, in spite of that, he had no schedule, no, you know, no real routine as we know it, no calendar. We know that Jesus never missed a single opportunity. Because see, Jesus was not about minutes and seconds and days. He was about moments. He was about those critical God moments when God was showing up working and doing things, and He was always ready to meet those. So, how do we do this? How do we redeem the time? Paul says we should be redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, we need to be redeeming time because the season that we're in is evil, as, as Debbie shared this morning. It is, uh, it is evil. Around us, things don't look good. Things are difficult and things are tough. Um, if, we, if we're tuned in and we see the moments, the Greeks, as I said, the Greeks had this notion you could seize the moment, but they said you could grab the right thing as well as the wrong thing. And uh, because the days were evil, Paul would say, and, and if you look at the context of chapter 5, he's been talking about how the world and people in it live wrongly. Okay, when it comes to these key and critical moments in their life, they don't choose rightly. That the world is evil and the the... the, the push of the world, the stream of the world is not to choose correctly. In fact, I would say in our modern world, one of the 
tools of Satan to keep us from taking advantage of moments is to so fill our schedule with busyness, you know, the moments would actually have to run us over before we saw them, right? We just don't see them because we're so busy. Life is so full. Life is so full of noise and distractions and devices and things that we can go through months. We can go through a whole year and not have a moment, right? All right? Um, the times are evil. And it's very possible in those moments to, to grab the wrong thing. I remember when we first moved to Thailand and we're trying to figure Thailand all out, going to Lotus and having, uh, you know, trying to grocery shop. Can't read anything, can't, can't recognize anything. Remember those days? And uh, we needed sugar. So we grabbed the first bag of white substance that we saw, put it in our bag and brought it home. And uh, of course, it wasn't sugar, it was salt, right? Who ever heard of putting salt in a bag, right? But they do here, and I didn't know that. We grabbed the wrong thing. Well, if we go through life and we just do things the way the world does things, we're going to be grabbing salt instead of sugar. We're going to be grabbing the wrong thing because the days are evil. Uh, the context of, these, of this verse, he says, Be careful how you live. Don't be fools. Don't be unwise. But be like those who are wise making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly or senselessly, but perceive or understand what God's will is. Uh, To redeem the time takes godly wisdom. And it takes understanding clearly what God's will is. Now, when we think about God's will, it's really easy for us who tend to be overly individualistic. We, We oftentimes see God's will as limited only to what God's choices are for my own personal life. But I want to expand that just a little bit. And in the context of this, I want you to look at it this way. God's will is ultimately His program and activity in the world. Not just about you, okay? although He does have a will about you and me. But it really is what God is doing, His activity in the world. How do we redeem the time? Well, I think one of the key things we need to do is learn how to see God's will. In other words... See what God is doing in a given moment. Uh, when moments come along, Jesus saw them because he said, I don't, I don't work, I don't do anything, I only do what my Father is doing. John, in John chapter 5, Jesus says that. Jesus was clearly tuned into the work and activity of his Father. And the reason he didn't need a schedule is because his focus was on, what is my Father doing right now in this moment? I will do what my Father's doing. I will do the work my Father is doing. Redeeming the time means being tuned in to what God is doing right now in this moment in your life. Step by step, day by day. There's a lot of time that goes by we don't have moments. You know, there's times when, you know, things kind of go on. But every once in a while, God opens up a window and there is a moment before us. Now, my experience is that oftentimes moments are not... You know, they don't come with fireworks. There's no marching band usually. You know, on TV there is. But in real life, they, they kind of sneak up on you. And it's so easy to just for them to go by. People who know how to redeem the time know how to see what's going on around them and be tuned in and sensitive and can ask this question, what is God trying to do right now in this moment? Okay, right now... Is God at work in some way around me that I could participate with, that I could join in the activity of the Father 
and touching people's lives. I'm thankful for this guy who had a bus, you know, who was out there and uh, he saw this skinny high school kid, middle school kid, and he saw God at work and he stopped. And he joined in what God was doing, calling me out of darkness into light. Every day around us, God is at work. You believe that? God is at work. Are we a part of it? (laughs) Are we aware of the moments as God unfolds them before us? And are we prepared to work as the Father's working? Um, You know, one of our... You know, we all have great ministries. And I want to share a story about uh, Comsory. You all know Stefan. I don't think he's here this morning, which is good because I can talk about him behind his back. Uh, he's got this ministry in the inner city of Chiang Mai. And uh, a lot of poor people there, mostly kids. And one of the boys that they work with, he's six years old. His grandmother's dying of cancer. And so Steph- Stefan took the opportunity, took the moment to go visit this lady and to pray for her. And uh, Stefan was very encouraged when this lady spoke up and said, Oh, you don't need to pray for me. Very, I mean, this lady's uh, 63 years old, very Buddhist, very Thai. She said, You don't need to pray for me because my, my grandson has been praying for me. Now, Stefan had no clue. This kid is like bouncing off the wall, hyperactive, ADD, you know, uh, was convinced that nothing was sinking in with this kid. But he finds out that this kid daily is praying for his grandmother who's dying of cancer, sharing Christ with her. Well, that was a revelation to Stefan. So he began, Stefan began going back, visiting this lady, and uh, was visiting her one day, and she says, you know, I am I'm very scared of dying. She says, I know I'm dying, and it terrifies me. Uh, now, now Stefan could have said, well, that's, you know, that is too bad. Let me pray for you, da 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 But he saw that there was a moment here critical moment when this woman was asking do I have to is, do I have to be afraid of death and Stefan stopped and he explained to her the gospel he says do you want to know where you're going when you die you can know through Jesus and she said I, I want to trust Jesus and he, she prayed right then and there to receive Christ as her savior and the fear was gone and uh, I went and got to go pray with her as well and you can just see this lady who has the joy of Christ in her life uh, Stefan was sensitive enough to see a moment, a moment when God was working in this person's life and she was ready to hear the gospel. Um, you know, it's the moments that change eternity. Are we tuned into the world around us to know those times when eternity is at stake? Uh, for us as parents, are we aware of those moments in our kids' life? when they're asking questions or needing us to be there in a way that eternity is at stake, Uh, with our spouse or with coworkers, with a lonely person or a hurting person, uh, are we tuned in to what God is doing? The Greek said we need to seize the moment. And I think that's a good challenge for us. Buying back the time means seizing those moments. Um, it doesn't mean always being organized. And the good news is you can be very unorganized and not miss the moments. Like, that's the good news. Yeah, amen. Amen. There's hope for all of us, right? Um, let me give you four practical things about seizing the moments. First one, 
life really is about the moments. You know, we need to start, and for me, this is maybe, I may be speaking only to myself here, right? I need to remember to live for the moments, not live for my schedule. Right? We need to be very careful that we don't let our schedule and our routine and our busyness keep us from moments. God is about moments. And around us every day in our home, in our own life, you know, it's moments of God working in us. It's also moments of God working around us. We need to be tuned in and listening to the pivotal times of decision, action, and opportunity. Um, the word really is about opportunities. And we don't have countless and endless numbers of them. Sometimes they come and go and those doors close. Uh, a guy, a very dear man in our church back in the States, uh, was an older gentleman, but had come to Christ uh, almost in his retirement years. Very godly man. And he had gone to the hospital to visit another elderly man in our church who was dying of leukemia. And uh, this guy his, that was dying was about 80 years old and had just started coming to church. And my friend Don had visited him and prayed for him, left the hospital, was driving home, and he just felt the Holy Spirit speak to him, you need to go back to the hospital and ask him if he wants to receive Christ. And my friend Don's going, well, I just was there. Why don't you tell me this five minutes earlier, right? Uh, He's on his way home. He's on his way out of town. But he just felt this strong uh, moment of God speaking to him. You need to go back. So in obedience, he drives his truck back, goes back to the hospital, goes back to the hospital room and says, Roy, are you ready to receive Christ? With tears in his eyes, he says, yes. And they prayed he received Christ. Uh, Here's a guy who was looking for the moments. We need to be careful to do that. Look for those moments. Uh, second thing, uh, we need to meet God in the moments. Uh, the reality is that we won't see the moments that God is working if we really aren't seeing God throughout the moments of our day. Now, this is how life often works for me. Uh, you know, we live in a world where everything for us is on demand. You know, you can get TV on demand, you can get programs on demand, you can, uh, you, know, you can watch videos when you want to watch them, you can get programs when you want them. And I think it's very easy for, for us to operate with God this way. We want God on demand. God, you got 15 minutes in my morning for my quiet time. I'm here. We got 15 minutes. If you got something to say to me, you better say it now, right? We want God on demand. We want God to speak to us on our timetable and our schedule. Fifteen minutes are up. God didn't say anything. We go out the door, and we don't turn back to God again until the next morning, or maybe several mornings later, right? When we remember to have quiet time. It's so easy to try to schedule God into our lives at neat little times when it's convenient for us to stop and hear God, right? So, you know, we got Sunday morning. We hope God shows up and says something. got our quiet time. We hope God speaks. The rest of the life, we're on our schedule and on our routine. God on demand. But my experience has been this. That God loves to speak to us sometimes when we actually are asking for His help. Sometimes He just loves to speak to us, randomly, spontaneously. God loves to show up at all kinds of times during our day. The problem is, if we're not paying attention... He shows up and we walk right by Him, don't we? we got to learn to see God in the moments of our day. God wants to show up and God wants to speak and teach us and lead us and meet us continually throughout the day. 
uh, something I've been trying to do, and it's, it's amazing how hard this is. Um, you know, Thailand has the longest stoplights, I'm convinced, in the world. I mean, you can take a you can read a novel at a stoplight. You sit there for, you know, and if it's rush hour and it takes like three or four cycles to get through the light, you can retire before you get to, you know, the stoplight. Well, I thought, you know, and I, I used to, well, I still get, honestly, I still get very frustrated with this great waste of time. But lately I've been thinking, well, why don't I take advantage of this time and use it as a moment to reflect on God? That's kind of a spiritual thing to do. Wow. Uh, and so I do that sometimes. I remember. And I'll pray or I'll just thank God. I'll take a moment and just open my heart to Him and say, God, are you there at this moment? What do you have to speak to me? And oftentimes I'm impressed how God puts on my heart to look around me at the Thai people sitting at the stoplight around me who don't know Christ. He says, pray for those people. Do you have a heart for those people? Uh, throughout our day, there are a lot of moments. A lot of moments get chewed up with things and activities and meetings and business, busyness. But there are moments when God would love to meet us. And it doesn't mean just spending an hour with Him in the morning. It can mean 30 seconds at a stoplight or five minutes at a stoplight, whatever. Find God. Meet God in the moments. Uh, throughout your day. Because uh, you will not, I'm, I'm convinced this, we won't see God at work in moments. We won't be aware of the moments when God is working if we're not even aware of God at all in the moments. Right? you got to do that. A great book if you want to, uh, very short, you can download it. Brother Lawrence, Practice the Presence of God. He speaks about this. Simple truth, uh, showing up with God throughout the day. Um, and God does speak. You know, uh, oftentimes, I don't have this experience, but oftentimes God speaks to me through movies. I don't watch a lot of movies, but sometimes he'll bring a line from a movie. It's like he speaks it out of the movie right to my heart. Wham! And if we're aware of him, he can do that. Third thing, uh, seeing the moments. Um, moments really are mostly about people. Okay, sometimes it's about decisions and critical things in our own life. Uh, there are those moments of temptation uh, when we have to decide correctly, decide rightly, resist the temptation. There are in our own life moments of testing when we've got to decide if we're going to wait patiently on God or we're going to take the, the shortcut out. But more often the moments have to do with the people around us. Uh, be sensitive to divine appointments that may not be on our schedule. To people that God brings across our path uh, that He's saying, I'm going to do a work in this person's life. Are you paying attention enough? Can you take just a moment and minister to them? Finally, uh, make the most of those moments. Uh, be ready to jump on them. Uh, be ready to, in faith and obedience, do what God asks you in a moment. Some of, for some of us, this is really hard because we're people who need schedules and we need to warm up to things. This is me. You know, the reason I, one of the reasons I have a schedule is because I can prepare myself. Okay, I have to have an appointment with so-and-so next week on a Tuesday. It gives me seven days to prepare myself mentally for that meeting. Right? Uh, I don't do spontaneous real well, which is sad because I think oftentimes God speaks to us in a moment and he wants instant obedience. Right? 
He wants us to stop now and turn our attention to others and meet people where they are in that moment. Right? One of the greatest pictures of me in the New Testament of, of a powerful moment is in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story, the prodigal wanders away, really rejects his father, goes off to a foreign land, squanders his inheritance, hits rock bottom, comes to himself, realizes what an idiot he's been, decides to go back home, not as a son, but as an employee of his father, right? And uh, so he's coming back, and he's coming uh, home, and he crops, pops over the crest of a hill, and what is his father doing? His father's a farmer, but his father's not out in the field. He's not managing his slaves. He's not busy with the activity of running his business. What's the father doing? He's sitting there looking for his son, right? It says, the moment the father saw him, he ran, though he was far off. He's searching for his son. And he runs and he embraces his son. What a moment. Right? What a moment. And even though from that day forward his son would be with him and he could embrace his son every day, his son was a part of his life, there was nothing like that moment when his son who was lost came home. He said, my son was dead, but now he is alive. And just the moment that that father got to share holding his son, loving on his son who came back. Uh, you, you, know, you know there are great moments when artists can capture them. Uh, maybe you've seen Rembrandt's painting or read uh, Henry Nguyen's book, uh, The Return of the Prodigal. Great picture of a moment captured in time. Uh, God wants to bring moments like that into our life. Powerful moments where we experience His love and grace. Uh, are we prepared for those? Uh, as we think about a new year, uh, and s- you know, it's, it's tempting to think of our schedules and our goals, and those are good things. But I, I'd like to have us think this year, what are the moments God, are, God is going to give you? Sovereign God of the universe has ordained for you pivotal moments in your life and in the lives of those around you. Uh, are you ready for the moments that God is bringing into your life so that you can redeem them? So you can take those opportunities and turn them around with eternal impact for God's glory. Uh, what I'd like to do as we close our ser- or this part of the service, uh, we're going to actually do two things at once, which is a dangerous thing. Um, what I'd like for you to do is to get in a moment, I'll have you s- gather into groups of four or five people and just spend some time praying for each other for the moments of this coming year. I don't know what God has, and, and we don't know, only God knows. But just share a little bit about, you know, with each other where you're at, and spend a few moments praying for each other that we would really be prepared for these moments that God is going to bring in this next year. Moments, this is exciting stuff. Moments that will change eternity. Maybe in your life, maybe in the life of someone else. Moments that will steer the course of history that we'd be ready for those. Now, that's the one thing we're going to do. But while you're doing that, okay, while you're in groups, uh, 
if you could come up kind of group by group and, and just pick up the communion elements. So come up, pick up the bread and the cup. So some of you, maybe on this side, can come up first. Well, you guys pray. And on this side, it's kind of done. Uh, you guys can pray, and you guys can come up and get communion. So we'll kind of do those two things together at once. Are we clear on that? Pray together, get communion at the same time. All right? Let me pray, and then I'll invite you to divide up in groups and pray. Father, we thank you so much for the divine appointments that you make with us and that you set up for us to be a part of your work and your ministry. Lord, what an incredible privilege to think of redeeming time, buying time and opportunities away from Satan and the evil purposes of this world and using them and buying them up for the eternal, glorious purposes of God and your kingdom. Lord, lead us, we pray. Guide us. Give us uh, spirit-led sensitivity to what you're doing around us. Because, Father, we want to join you in the work you are doing. And we don't want to miss the opportunities that come before us to grow, to encounter you, to meet you face-to-face, to hear you speak and lead us, and to use us as, as your mouthpiece, as your hands and feet, to touch the lives of people around us. Uh, Lord, uh, open our eyes to the opportunities. Lord, thank you for this new year. Lord, we want to make the best of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray together and uh, begin picking up communion.